Why, hello there. Awful nice to catch you at such an opportune time. Do you come here often? Would you like to? <laughs> Hi, it's me, Brad. I'm Sophie. And this is Monster Friends. With benefits. Welcome to hell. We are here with a panoply of treats for you today. Just an absolute flabbergastical cacophony of a cornucopia of... I'm going to see if you can keep going with this Cockatrices uh, and... Hold on. <laughs> it took a turn there really, really fast, actually. I, it's a bunch of shit. This is a, a bunch of shit. Just a bunch of stuff, see, a whole mess of things. I... To to uh, look behind the curtain here a little for you listeners is we're trying this new thing where we um, make plans <laughs> and like think stuff through before we do them. So we'll see how this works out for us. Hopefully, well. I think it'll go well. I think it's going to go great. So you're listening to this a week after you normally would be listening to it pre on our previous schedule. Mm-hmm. Sophia and I came up with a new post schedule so that we would be better prepared for you. We even have a bunch of episodes planned ahead of time so we can do research, so that we can do things to prepare. We want to produce a nicer podcast for you in this, the year of our board 2022. Give me one second. Uh-oh. While Sophia is doing that, I am going no, to... No, 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 <laughs> no I'm going to no, read no, out... No, 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 please. Unless you're going to cut this down. Okay. It connects. I just wanted to feel silence. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the fuck is it? Tell me what the year is, you stupid piece of shit. Uh, never mind. I was looking up what the Discworld year was. Ah. Because those are always very funny, but mm-hmm. I, it wasn't at the top of the Terry Pratchett uh, Twitter. So never ah. mind. Okay. See, it won't be a fun joke. But it I... would have been a fun joke. I believe in you. Thank you. You're cool. Anyway. Anyway, hi. Good to see you. I think this year is going to bring you better Monster Friends with Benefits content uh, and not in a way that is cynical because while we are both deeply cynical individuals Mm -hmm. we actually like just talking to each other and connecting with the people that listen to the podcast the people who are our friends who aren't our friends the people who enjoy it so it is totally arbitrary the fact that it is a new year by one calendar but frankly eh any excuse is a good excuse it worked out really well the first year being a a saturday when Mm -hmm. we record on saturdays uh so i think it works out pretty well to just like yeah fine yeah 2022 the year some shit gets together it's fine and so since uh, we know you had to wait a week an extra week for this and we appreciate your patience but i think you will be happy with what we've put together for this upcoming year and i hope you spent this last week Watching monster fucker shit, reading monster fucker shit, thinking about monster fucking. You know, maybe you bought an ovipositor. If you did, let us know. Let us know how you like it. Honestly, I'd be curious <laughs> to find out. That's a future topic for this y'all. This is going to uh, pay big, big dividends, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. in weird emails, but all right. That's fine, That's honestly. Fine. I, I'm okay with weird emails. I get enough of them anyway. They're just usually people trying to convince me that there's been an issue with my accounts and I need to click on mm-hmm. their link that's misspelled. I mean, I do it because I care about my accounts. Yeah. But, you know, mysterious credit card charges. I think it's ghosts. Probably. Probably. Credit card ghost. Did my fan just turn on? Oh, goodness gracious. One moment, please, while Sophia transitions us into host chat. How are you? What's been going on? What's, what's, what's happening in your life? What do you want to talk about? Tell me something cool. 
I finally started finally started exercising again. I had a bunch of surgeries, a bunch of complications from surgeries. Being away from exercising for so long means that all my concussion-y stuff kept getting flared up and it was miserable. It makes it hard to exercise, even though the exercise is good for it. But last week, I exercised three times, like intentionally in ways that would normally be my lift days. I did it, and I'm going to hopefully continue to do it as my, my work starts up again because I'm coming off of a long vacation that I put together from leftover PTO and days when my job is closed already. And I'm hoping that this will keep me going a little bit better into the new year means that I can actually devote more meaningful time to things that I would like to do. Nice. And a very good friend of mine finally was able to move into their new house. Two new friends moved into the same house. So new house for good friends, good stuff, positive developments for the Brad. Fantastic. And you, Sophia? Let's see. Well, last night I posted um, a funny TikTok. I feel like I say this a lot, but this one people really liked and I feel it's relevant to the show. It was about the relative horniness of various 90s and not sci-fi shows, wherein Farscape is extremely horny. Babylon 5 is not horny enough, but DS9 is right right there in the middle, right in the sweet spot. I feel like I could probably repost that on the Monster Friends with Benefits TikTok just to spread the word and perhaps talk about it some more. But uh, people really appreciated it. And then everyone, there were a shit ton of people who came into my comments and was like, hey, where does Lex fall on this spectrum? And <laughs> too horny. Too horny is where Lex falls. Lex is extremely horny, but does not fuck. Extremely. Yeah. It's a quadrant, you see, where where only one one of the axes is horny to not horny. And the other is fuck and does not fuck. I think we've spoken about this specifically before, but I'm willing to talk about it endlessly because... Absolutely. I um, really I feel like, like Lex... I can definitely make this as a, as a whole video series, honestly. And between the two of us, I think I'm the podcast's resident Lexpert. Yes. If you want to uh, put that on your resume... At any time, <laughs> I'm sure employers would be interested to hear about your opinions on Lex. My Lexpertise. Your Lexpertise, yes. Uh, of course. How foolish am I to have not said the word Lexpertise? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Is that our house chat? Yeah. Complete? Sweet. Nintendo, notoriously not litigious. So could be worse. I could do something about Mickey Mouse. Don't do that. <laughs> Small. So let's just go directly to questions. Yes. So we actually received somebody, one of you wondrous, wondrous beings, actually sent an email to the monsterfwb at gmail.com address, put in the subject line question, colon. Amazing. And then in the body of the email, you asked a question. So amazing. So we're going to answer your question today live it's not live if you listen to this podcast travel back in time to the day we record it the exact moment <laughs> we recorded you are listening live great all right hello sophia and brad that's us my question will be below but firstly i want to say i really have been enjoying your podcast i was moving and driving this week and you both kept me entertained on those long roads that's fantastic to hear Um, I hope no one else was in the car with you making it awkward. My question. I recently started dating my lovely shapeshifter partner and we're beginning to get into some more fun, sexy times. We've talked with each other about the use of shapeshifting in our bedroom and would like a second opinion from the both of you. 
what are the ethics and differences surrounding the use of shape-shifting into celebrities versus a fictional character depiction by a certain celebrity versus a mix and match? Thank you. From my partner's a shapeshifter. P.S. Does shape-shifting into fictional characters fall under fair use? These are- I, I want to answer the P.S. first. Yeah. Because it's not commercial activity. It's just something you're doing in your own home. Mm-hmm. I could draw art of every single Disney character in my house trying to sell me a TV. I could draw ads <laughs> in my house of those characters trying to sell me tires, trying to sell me garden equipment. And it's fine because I'm not using it for anything. I'm not even presenting it as art anywhere. I am simply doing it in my home behind closed doors. I don't think that there's a legal issue there. Unless, of course, you were trying to monetize this. Well, yes, that's my precisely the point. So at home... I could pretend to be any fictional character that I want and it doesn't it's because it's not commercial and not even public in a way that could be argued to be commercial. You mm-hmm. know, it's not as though I'm doing it for my own private life but then recording my private life and the recordings of my private life are the thing that are being sold not the, you know, there it gets murky. I'm not a lawyer, but if you're just doing this at home for yourself, I, I can't see that as a legal issue there. Yeah. But to the main body of the question, I would like to know Oh, and it's just, Sophia, if you disagree with me, go ahead. I think the main body, though, is the more in-depth question that I would love to know your thoughts on first. I actually haven't figured this one out because I feel like I, if I had a shapeshifter partner and I'm just grabbing, like, the first thing I can think of is, like, versus Lucy Lawless in the bedroom, my partner shapeshifting into Lucy Lawless, who is, you know, from New Zealand is a very nice lady versus her shape-shifting into Xena, warrior princess, armor and all, without the the accent and all of that. I don't know how I would feel. Uh, Obviously, I want to personally have sex with Xena. That would be great. However, my shape-shifter partner turning into Xena and looking like Lucy Lawless playing Xena? Not sure how I feel about this. Although... Xena was recorded in the 90s. So that would be many decade ago, Lucy Lawless playing Xena, as opposed to current Lucy Lawless, who is not playing Xena. So if we have a spectrum between verbally role-playing you, Sophia, Mm -hmm. having been flung through some sort of plot device portal... Isake, yes. Into... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Into Xena, meeting Xena, and she goes, "Hey, yeah." And you and you you, you fuck Xena, yeah, and it's great. Now you're imagining this. Is this a problem? No. Okay, hold on. Just go with me here. Then let's say that you have a partner, who, whom do you wish to fuck? But this partner dresses up as, and you're not even that. This partner just speaks as if. She is Xena. Mm. You just verbally agree to pretend that she is Xena and you have isekai'd your way, isekai'd your way into <laughs> Xena'sville. Where, where does Xena take place? It takes place in Greece. Okay. It takes place. I haven't watched Xena <laughs> since Stop. it was on. What? Leave me alone. <laughs> I have it on DVD. We can watch it together sometime. Great. Fantastic. So you've been transported into Greece, ancient television Greece. Ancient shitty Greece. Yes. yes. That looks nothing like New Zealand, whatever. Nevertheless, you're there, but verbally with your partner. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. 
your partner cosplays as Xena. You cosplay as you or a different character. Straight from up that. Gabrielle. Sure, Gabrielle. Yeah. Love it. Is that okay? Yeah. What is the difference between that last one of you cosplaying as Gabrielle, pretending to be Gabrielle or pretending to be you, and your partner cosplaying, dressing up in an extremely accurate rendition of Xena's outfit? Maybe she's very good at doing an impersonation of Xena's uh, character mannerisms. What is the distinction between that and shape-shifting into Xena? Hmm. I'm not trying to like Zeno's paradox you into right, like, right, into right. this, but I, I genuinely want to know philosophically what's Zeno's the difference. Paradox. Uh- <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, I think honestly, it is like Zena is a character, but her face belongs to Lucy Lawless mm-hmm. because that's Lucy Lawless's face. Those are mm-hmm. her cheekbones. Like, and then they belong to no one else. Mm-hmm. There have been comic book renditions of Xena, surely. Yes, where absolutely. they're going off the model there's, of there's Lucy comic Wallace. Books, yeah, yes. Would those be different to you? I don't know how my partner would shapeshift into comic book Xena without it being like super weird. And if 2D. his partner can shapeshift into a robot, I'm sure that they could cell shade themselves into. Uh, now, see that I would just be interested in to figure out if they're like 2D and how that works out and like what's going on there. I think they'd be 3D in the right places. Hey. You just got to roll it up like a, like a newspaper. Sophia, that's... Okay. <laughs> just roll the, up your partner as a newspaper the... and hit yourself on the nose. Sophia. Yeah. The, the third dimension is depth. Okay. Okay. I, it's a penetration joke. It's what I'm making. I see, oh, I see. Yeah. I thought I thought you were correcting me. But no, 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 no. I was just making a joke. But point Great, is. Fantastic. So, yes. Has the face of Lucy Lawless, but is the character you are because i mean that's a separate topic and we're gonna want to get to it but if they are shape-shifting into xena the character xena they're acting like xena they're dressed like xena they're not dressed like lucy lawless hanging out in her trailer in between shots Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. eating eating a something from a a local patisserie whatever (laughs) xena xena I don't know. It still feels a little weird to me because it, do, it does get a little close to some, uh, you know, Lucy Lawless didn't sign off. Now, if I tweeted at Lucy Lawless and shapeshifters were a thing and I asked, hey, can my partner shapeshift into you as Xena from the 90s? in the bedroom and Lucy Lawless was like, yeah, that sounds See, great. Have fun. I think if Lucy Lawless made a general statement about this. In general, mm-hmm. that would be fine. I think it would actually be a more rude thing, a more of a boundary pushing thing to ask Lucy Lawless if you could fuck somebody who looks like her. Because then it implies that she is involved in some way. Whereas I would argue that if you, in your own private life, your own private time, not for your you know, only fandom or whatever, that you are just having this role play sex with a shape-shifting partner as Xena. Mm-hmm. I would say that is different than if you ask her that because if you ask her that and she gives permission, then it implies that there's more of a direct connection to her that I don't think is there. I guess you're right. I mean, if she ha- if this if shapeshifters were you know generally known and someone was like for the yeah, premise go for of it. this question, shapeshifters are generally known. Yeah, um, just and some celebrities are like, if you want to be this character of mine, that's it doesn't bother me. Well, but then what if a celebrity was to say, I don't want you thinking about my character when you jerk off ever? I 
don't know, man. That's what I'm, that, that's what that's what that's, we're talking about. This. Right. I don't. I I feel like the difference is somebody else inhabiting the the face and the embodiment of mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? No, it, it feels more like it uh, is different. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not pretending it's different. No, no, I'm, I'm drawing these comparisons because to me they make sense philosophically, but it is still sure. different. Or we wouldn't be needing analogy. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I personally, I don't think I would be comfortable with it. Maybe also because of there there would be pressure of like, wow, this is actually Xena, and like, there's there's no way. So, I'd say this. So. Let's say that somebody, uh, so let's say that uh, you and I create a spinoff podcast where we talk about characters and we inhabit those characters, pretend to be those characters. An ask blog, yes. Sure. And well, it, yeah, so we're, we're doing that and we're role playing these characters and I I am, I can be reasonably assured, we oh, we get wildly popular, somebody somewhere or I, I don't know, I get a small bit part in a movie. I'm a small character. This is easier to go out along with. There's a small character in a film. And I'm, you know, I, I, somebody I went to school with is like the cinematographer and I managed to be some weird side character you see for two seconds. Somebody is going to be jerking off to that character. Somewhere. Yes. Somebody somewhere. I, as long as they don't bring it to me, as long as they don't make it something that I have to interact with, I really truly don't care. That's their life. It's not they're not they're not making me be involved in their private personal sex life against my my wishes, right? That person wants to draw fan art, that person wants to do whatever they want, think about me. That's completely on them. I don't want I don't feel comfortable like dictating what their thoughts about me should be, you know? So I'm thinking for me, what if somebody was to shapeshift into to Brad, right? Uh, first of all, if you can shapeshift into me, please call me. <laughs> There's some shenanigans that have to happen. Boy, so howdy. Like... Um, but that's beside the point. If if somebody's partner wanted to shapeshift into Bradulon or whatever character I was playing, I ha- that has nothing to do with me. That has something to do with the character that I played that I'm not really there with. That would be my thought on it. I'm not Lucy Lawless. I can't speak to how she'd feel about a Xena shapeshifter. Yeah. I just know how I would feel. And I think, you know, morally, if it's not connected to that person, it feels the same as if you were cosplaying because it's just intense cosplay. I don't know. I guess it just squicks me. But like that doesn't mm-hmm. for uh, if there are any younger listeners or listeners that aren't familiar oh, yeah, with yeah, fanfic, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the word squick is an older uh, fanfic term, which just basically means that like this kind of grosses me out. I am not into this. I don't really want to see it, but it is not harmful to me. I just. I do not like it. Mm-hmm. Do not appreciate this. And you don't so, think it's like a an actively harmful element within the fandom that you no, should try no, to avoid I just or this and that. Don't it's like not your it. thing. Yeah, it's it's not my jam. So this personally would squick me, I and mean, I wouldn't. But like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that squick me. So mm-hmm. whatever. Well, then the second question would be, what if this person could shape? Because did I forget if they asked in the in the question? But what about the ethics of either pretending to be like role playing or in the more intense version, shape-shifting into real people, either people who are celebrities or people who are not celebrities, but whom you have met or have known or do know. I do not approve of RPF, a real person fic. Okay. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. And I honestly think people should stop, but like, obviously they're not going to. I'm against that. 
that that feels worse for fic or for this uh, shape-shifting into lucy lawless for the purposes of your partner having sex with lucy lawless Mm -hmm. but it's not lucy lawless yeah i'm just making a distinguishing distinguishment or just making a distinction between purely in the bedroom or shared in any way i would say shared in any way the Xena stuff or especially or I'm being Lucy just Lawless. judgmental. Understand, understandable. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking ethically here. I think once you cross the line of sharing it in any way, it, it, it's totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Especially if it's Obviously, visually. I cannot stop people from doing that in their own bedroom yeah. or writing RPF or reading RPF. Like, yeah. Go wild. I actually, I honestly do not care. I'm mm-hmm. again it, but I'm not going to do anything but i mean as long as it's two consenting adults in a bedroom it doesn't involve me i don't care mm-hmm. i don't care in the slightest but if it involves me personally no i'm out yeah i guess let, let's say that me brad the person who is hosting this podcast you decided you wanted to write a story where i fight a dragon fine it's very cool that would be cool that would be rad i would probably want to read that one but if you were to like ship me and Sophia and like draw, write something about that. Like, no, if, if you keep that to yourself, I'm not, I can't stop you. I'm not going to try to stop you. Life. That's your life. But like, I don't ever want to or need to see that. No. Like if Sophia and I go and like hunt ghosts or some shit, there is just a distinction between something that's private, personal and intimate and something that just simply happens to contain me. You're right. And I, I would be uncomfortable with that. And I, would certainly in the shape-shifting context never want to bring it to any of the people who these be shape-shifting with because that's different. It's like, um, do you remember that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Geordi had to solve a problem with the ship and had the holodeck create a simulacrum, a, a fake version of the woman who engineered the warp drive for the ship? Vaguely. I haven't watched it in a while. I think we may have talked about it before, but he got attached to this mm-hmm. composite thing. And, and she was just taken from various... All of the files, the, the personality files and all that, the computer put together a character person and Jordy bonded with this this hologram woman and kind of kind of fell for this hologram woman. And then he met her mm-hmm. and she found out about this and she saw that they had that he hadn't like, you know, fucking fucked this lady or done anything explicitly sexual or romantic with this you know hologram woman in there. But she was super skeeved out. And I think the episode didn't really treat that with the seriousness of the violation that that would be because this was something that was just in the record, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was there to be accessed and it was, she didn't give her okay for that. And that was fucked up. I still like Jordy as a character, but like that was fucked up and he should not have done that. It was wrong. And especially because he then tried to like make a thing happen with the real woman. It was just weird and creepy. And like, those are distinct things. So if you were to make... Sorry, there was a joke in DS9 about it, too, where uh, someone was trying to get a hologram, a holodeck thing for uh, Kira Nari, of Kira Nari as a romance. And then at the last minute, it got shifted into uh, Quark's head. And it was a very funny joke. And it's a good joke. But it's a similar idea of a holodeck making real people. Yeah. And like if if a business was to profit off of, say, a shapeshifter who could look like any celebrity... I think that's kind of fucked up. There's an episode of Futurama about it. Yeah. And there is. You're right. And 
I think that in this specific instance, the big distinction here is your shape-shifting partner is with you privately at home. Yes. And as long as the two of you place this role play in the context of make-believe between the two of you, I, Brad, don't have an ethical problem with it. Oh, no. I think that even, I think that I would not advise you and your partner, uh, have that, that your partner shape-shift into people that you know personally not necessarily because it's unethical, but because it's going to put you in a very uncomfortable position where you will feel as if you've engaged in acts with these people that go beyond what mental fantasy might be. If you see a hot, uh, let's say you see a, a uh, there's a hot fireman right near you and, you know, wash goes outside, washes the fire truck in, you know, shirtless or whatever. As long as you're not skeevy, you can be like, oh, wow, that is an attractive person. And when I see that attractive person outside, that's nice. You're not a creep to the fireman. That's fine. You go home. You fantasize about the fireman picking you up in his big, strong arms and going, you're safe now. It's okay. And then you make out, whatever. That's fine. That's in your head. That's fantasy. It might be awkward if you then became friends with this fireman, but you could probably get over that. But if your shape-shifting partner physically transformed into this fireman it blurs those boundaries inside your own head and i don't know if it's if it's morally wrong but i think it's not healthy for you there i think that is really the crux of it is like is it healthy for you to do that if you were if you have a shape-shifting partner and they're using their shape-shifting to make their dick bigger or make them taller so they can lift you or whatever it is that they're doing that just is altering their body. Mm-hmm. That's t- one t- thing. Today, I'm short and I have enormous tits. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm tall and I have three of them. Yeah. It, and it's great. And you're yeah. having a great time. But when you move into becoming another person, especially if it's someone you recognize uh, personally or celebrity, like, sure, you can. But like... Hmm? Should you? Should you? Is it going to be good for you? Yeah. I mean, that's up to you, I guess. And, and that's up between you and your partner. And so but. for me, I think that especially because celebrities, you're not really even seeing the full scope of the person. You're imagining what this person is like, and that's who you're interacting with. And that's where it gets kind of weird. You're treating a real person like a fictional person. That's kind of the issue with, I think, playing with a lot of this uh, RPF stuff that Sophia is talking yeah. about, right? So to my mind, if I had to come to a conclusion, a single answer, um, my partner is a shapeshifter, who we're, we're calling you today. I would say that I don't think there's a moral or ethical problem or even necessarily a personal problem with having your partner shift into a fictional character, even if that fictional character is played by a real person, as long as you're keeping the distinction that you are playing with the fictional character, not the actor offset off of this afterward. It's it's Xena. It's... um. Uh, I don't know the guy with the, the 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 pale man with the eyes in his hands from Jesus. Pan's Labyrinth. I'm sorry, that's what you would go for. I don't know. Well, that's, I'm not, who am I to judge? You're, it's it's these, hell of a hand job. It's anyway. these characters <laughs> that you're going for, not the people who play them. Then I think it's still role play, and it, it to me there's no ethical problem as long as you're not selling it. There's no real even personal problem as long as you keep strongly in your mind that it's fiction. And if you're the kind of person who can do a strong scene. Where you're, you know, you're doing power exchange or you're fully inhabiting characters. It's make believe. It's 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 Dungeons and Dragons with your dicks out. That's that's fine. I think that it crosses a line for me, um, from like a health perspective, if not a moral one, I guess. When you're dealing with the real people, that's that's my summary of it. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know what you feel. Any final no, thoughts on this? It's pretty straightforward. Uh, that being said, if uh, Lucy Lawless wants to DM us at any time, 
uh, you're allowed. I just want to talk to you. I just you seem like a really interesting conversationalist. You, do. you seem super God, neat. I just want to hang out with you. Man. Yeah. And like it's weird, honestly. By the way, just just as an aside, so question section over right there. We're good. Uh, there's so many celebrity people who once you if you've met one or two people who are actors, musicians, whatever, you realize that obviously while pieces of themselves go into creating the art, the the performance or the music or the movie, they are just a person who's reflecting an aspect of their personality into their craft. Mm -hmm. And that just makes them interesting people to speak to. And even if, you know, the public persona they put forth in their interviews and all that and what you hear about them on set, that's not going to be the totality of the person. You just kind of want to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. And you see things in the performances and you hear things in their music that think there must be some commonality between us that I would love to explore in a conversation and just to see who you are. The opportunities I've had to speak to musicians, it's been it's been interesting. Like, oh, what have, you know, the interview kind of questions. Of, oh, what went into the writing of this song? But then having a real conversation with the person, not just an interview. It's it's neat to see what of those people comes through in that art. I like it. And yeah. I, I would, Lucy Lawless, definitely one of those people I would like to speak to. At any time. Virginia Hay. Absolutely. I mean, Virginia Hay, writer of the most amazing bi- self bi- autobiographical <laughs> IMDb page ever. You just seem like a neat lady and I would love to talk to you. Like you have a very storied life that you can expound upon clearly through your IMDb profile. But I want to know just like personally. Yeah. You seem rad as hell. This question section. Uh, ooh. Sophia guessed that it would go long and it has, uh, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I think we got some really good, meaningful yeah, discussion yeah. in here. Yay. High five. Go us. Yeah. Now it's time for, well, we got to pay the bills that we definitely have <laughs> for this podcast. So Sophia. Yes, Brad. I've been thinking lately. I really want to portray an authentic life. I want to give the impression that I've lived. And in some ways I have. I've, I was an industrial painter for a while. I have sore, uh, mild injuries to my upper back from, from some physical activities I've done. Obviously, as a result of the concussions, I feel, you know, I get these pain flare-ups and stuff. And my hands, I've put a lot of work into keeping them moisturized. And it doesn't look like I do work. I think about those stories where somebody, a grizzled farmhand, will take the, the fingers and the palm and look at somebody and go, you're soft. You're a city boy. <laughs> you don't know what it's like out here. And it's like, well, I have done work like that, but I also moisturize. I just want, I want a way to, like, distress jeans. I don't want to have to wear my pants just so that they look like they've been worn in. So I want to, you know, I buy distressed jeans. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything I can do for like my body, for my appearance that, 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 I mean, I don't want to have to learn like makeup, fancy schmancy makeup just to, to give the impression of, you know, my under eye bags or whatever. Like what do I do to, to consciously make choices so I can control this? I just, I'm, I'm frustrated. <laughs> well, Great news. There is a new product that is called Scathederm. 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 It is a whole plethora, a box, a set, a kit to help you. A line? A line. A whole skincare line to help you get that weathered, lived-in look. Mm -hmm. Look as if you've lived out on the range and you don't know what sunscreen is. Authentic. Authentic. Very real. And uh, we have 
a special offer on this today, but let's talk about some of the products in this line, mm-hmm. in this kit that you can get, in this uh, introductory kit. Mm-hmm. There is, for the uh, the rough skin that looked as if it could be wind-burned, perhaps, or... or What's another thing that can happen to fucking skin? I grew up knowing a couple who owned a jewelry store and a timeshare in Aruba. And they looked like handbags. Fantastic. You, you can't fake There's that. There's stories in that skin. Yeah. And for that, to maintain that look, there's, of course, the, uh, the self-leveling leather conditioner. Say Ooh. that five times fast. Jesus. Do you want me to? Yeah, go for it. Self-leveling leather conditioner. 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 Amazing. Keep that skin looking just like a car seat, man. Just straight up a car seat. Catcher's mitts will be (laughs) jealous of you. They will mutter amongst themselves in that baseball bag. I find through a lot of my lifting and a lot of my fitness that I sometimes will end up with really thick calluses on my body. Of course, but wear even, and tear. Even then, there are the calluses of somebody who still goes home and, you know, like scrapes them off in the shower and rubs them down because they're kind of Owns uncomfortable. Owns a stone. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, what if I ever have to take a break from lifting? What if I have to do something else? I need to know that I can look like I've done the work without doing the work. You want it to be a little flashy maybe yeah. a little, eh, so, so, some attention grabbing well when you get those lovely calluses you got to work hard you got to scrape your feet up on some concrete just kind of do the mm-hmm. do, uh, do the twist really build on, it on up bare. make yeah. my skin thinks it needs extra 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 layers absolutely to keep those cracks there and to make it really pop what you're gonna do is get some japanese kintsugi gold in there and just just fuse it in there. You, what you do is you get some molten gold and you pour it in and you paint it in between the cracks and fix it. And obviously it's symbolic of uh, putting more work into something and making it more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, You're not you know, giving up. And uh, when something is broken, building it back beautiful and Correct. better than ever. It's a whole symbolic thing. But here, it also, well, just looks fucking cool. Yeah. Some flashy fashion. Some flashy fashion. Callous Kintsugi. <laughs> From Scatherderm. From Scatherderm. Now, I hear sometimes about fashion trends and skin trends, and I've seen all over TikTok, a place I definitely go, mm-hmm. and Instagram, a place I do actually go, but only for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure memes, <laughs> glass skin? Glass skin. What does that mean? Like, like you're wearing like one of those, those Halloween masks that has like the makeup on it, but it kind of looks weird? Is that what that is? Practically. Now, glass skin, <laughs> is, uh, it, it's really a goal that a lot of people set for mm-hmm. themselves, that they look uh, poreless and smooth, and, and, and they're very shiny in ways, and they catch the light, and they look almost artificial. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not into that. What we're really into looking into getting... It doesn't look lived in. It doesn't look lived in. It looks artificial. It looks, it looks uh, work done. And what we really want is some... Um, plexiglass at a hockey rink kind of look you know someone got into a fight right up against it and punched all the way through perhaps someone yelled get on the bus and slapped it and shattered it up to the rink and someone made a vine about it that lived for years i need to look puck chipped absolutely i need to look shoulder checked all right i need to look stick cracked Absolutely. I need to look UV damaged. Something that you can really be chirping through. Now, that doesn't happen naturally unless you, of course, you are 
plexiglass. And I do not have the time to be plexiglass. And you have someone, or you could just have someone throwing hockey pucks at your face over and over again. But really, that'll damage the rest of you as well. And that's not what we're looking for right now. And we're who has the, the time? Skincare. Honestly, who has the time to sit around for? I have maybe 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. Fantastic. Well, we have something for that as well. And that is the artisanal low thread count face towels for removing oils and introducing micro tears and macro abrasions. It will really fuck it all up in there, my man. (laughs) You just, you rub it on your face and don't, don't pat. You don't want to pat yourself dry. You really want to get in there. You really want to dig into your under eyes, that delicate skin. You want to tear it up and make sure that, um, and Stuff this is that something isn't supposed to be in there. Get it in there. Now I can I can see on here that this is part of the routine that goes in after the dish soap scrub down. Absolutely. I've heard that there's protective oils on the skin, and we want we to want to get rid of those. those. We want to we want to ditch them if it can protect you from your environment, from from wind, from free radicals, from germs, and from the MRSA that is almost yeah. guaranteed to be on your skin. It needs to be gone. Mm-hmm. It needs to leave. Yeah needs to be washed away so that we can introduce what we want. It's as if you've moved into a home that has layers of paint on it. You need to scrape those away to get down to the bare lath and plaster. And then do nothing. Do your magic. (laughs) And just let it sit out there and have people on the internet worry about the home that you live in. But they don't need to worry because we have it totally under control. We are authentically faking it. Thanks to... The fine folks at Scatherderm. A product of Deteriorate Crate. Deteriorate Crate. Trust us to fuck it up. The makers of the testicular torsion tricycle seat? The very same. Wow, I, I better get my subscription going right away. Does there any have a, do we have a uh, coupon code or anything for our listeners to use? Absolutely. If you go to the uh, Deteriorate Crate website and go to the scathe the derm subsection and the hamburger menu and then you go through all of their skincare and if you look way at the bottom there will be a little button that says monster friends with benefits and when you click it it'll pop up and say go fuck yourself use that coupon code <laughs> to really go fuck yourself up thanks to monster friends with benefits all right and now it's on to topic Sophia, yeah. prior to me bringing it up, had you heard of the 1994 film, Tammy and the T-Rex? I actually have not. Well, we should watch it sometime soon. I have a few things that I want to talk about this movie today, but I want to give you a little bit of background first. So the way that this film came about was the writer, <laughs> the writer and director of the film, Stuart Raffel. Fuck, how do I even say that? Raffel. The idea happened because he got access to a full-size animatronic T-Rex. The movie started and was built around a full-size animatronic <laughs> T-Rex. Somebody came to when him. life gives you lemons, make a movie about it. Somebody came to him and said, hey, I have a giant animatronic T-Rex. I think you should make a movie about it. And it was, it was, it was going to a park in Texas, like, a, like an amusement park or something. I don't quite remember. The eyes worked. The head moved. It, it, it worked well enough and he wanted it to be in a movie. And Raffle was like, sure. And he wrote the script in like a week. This is, it's, it's like, um, 
you buy a dress because you're like, this is a very pretty dress. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where I'm going to wear it to, but I'm going to buy it. And then you're like, I have no idea where I'm going to wear it to. So I'm going to make an event that I can wear this dress to. They only had the T-Rex for two weeks. Oh my God. They were only going to have it for two weeks. Once you got it, two weeks, you're done. It's like when you have to rent a Steadicam or something, but in this case, it's a T-Rex. So filming locations were within 25 miles, or sorry, 25 minutes of the director's home. And apparently during the filming of the movie, there was a fire. And so there's like smoke that can be seen in some of the shots. It's all shot on locations that were convenient. They had this thing for two weeks. The script was written, written in one and they shot. They had to start filming within the month of like the conception of the idea. God, I love art. And they still managed to put together an honestly shockingly competent and impressive film. It's coherent. There's a real story, not a amazing one, but a real story, real characters, and many of the acting performances in this were played like it wasn't the movie it was. Like it is competently acted. And it's it's unbelievable. This is this is this is obviously a cult movie because of how weird it is. But it's one of those rare cult movies where, actually, no, cult movies generally there's there's an earnestness in the film, right? Absolutely. But this movie, it was they con- wouldn't they wouldn't be cult movies if they didn't really want to. But this was conceived of as a campy a movie for like a campy movie for people that love goofy bullshit that was put together competently and acted played straightforward amazing it is amazing and the movie has comedy in it which is funny but it's all everything the it, it's rare that the the comedy is funny i mean it's not it's not fucking highbrow shit you're not going to be laughing about it later it's pretty lowbrow humor but it's funny enough you're not sitting there stone-faced at it and then just the circumstances of the film are also hilarious some of the choices that they made are hilarious it's a very fun movie to watch so that's the background I'm going to run you through the story real quick because... I just want to talk about this, oh. uh, the poster. So this, the poster that you are looking at right here, Uh huh. this is a poster that was made by uh, the production company that bought it out later. So this is a more modern poster. This poster is absolutely amazing. There is a, a T-Rex embracing... A, a beautiful girl in a red. Does she ever wear that red dress? Uh, I, I, I think so. Actually, okay. There's a, a blood all around. There's a there's a decapitated head. There's people getting attacked. It's amazing. It's fairly beautiful, I'd say. I'm currently pulling up a higher resolution version of it for Sophia. No, oh, she does wear it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> if you, uh, dear listener, please look up the Tammy and the T Rex poster here it is it's something boy is that t-rex anatomy something you know it's pretty clear that these are um like screen grabs or photos these are are redrawn things from the movie yes uh so they're the original art the original poster art would have been uh, a lot less interesting than this i can see if i can find one it was uh yeah it was this that was the original cover art for the film oh it's just a, a photo of uh our uh, female lead just riding on the back of a yeah. uh, fucked up looking T-Rex. That's it. Man, it's not a good T-Rex, is it? That T-Rex in the in the original didn't have nostrils. Oh, and I I I think the 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 the, the robot does. But moving moving on. So weird. Moving on. So this is this movie is 
So Tammy has a new boyfriend. His name is Michael. And they, you know, then, then you get in. Tammy also has a gay best friend whose name is Byron, who there's a lot to say about gay stereotypes in films and especially uh, uh, the black gay best friend character in films. Inevitably, if there's a gay sidekick in a movie, they were my favorite character growing up because they as, you know, kind of being the the outsider to social norms already in the movie, kind of in a, a jesterly way, they can say anything. They can they can flatly observe what's going on, comment on it metatextually, comment on it in the film, and it's kind of allowed because they're already transgressing the expectations of the supposed POV characters in the film. And so for me as a child, I always loved those characters the most. They were always the most interesting to me, and I, I thought of them the best. And in this film, Byron is far and away the best. Love Byron. Byron likes uh, him, Michael, the new guy. Tammy also has an ex whose name is Billy, who has like a gang, but like like a teenage gang, so it's just a bunch of his shithead friends. They he comes to the school. The school has a restraining order against him. These are all uh, teenagers, by the way. All high schoolers. Oh, high schoolers. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they get into a fight. There's a, a funny thing where Michael and Billy get into a fight where they're just grabbing each other's testicles. Super straightly. Yeah. And then you see in a you see a warehouse where there's an animatronic T-Rex, which, by the way, I'm sure at some point they intended for it to be a real T-Rex and realized we're never going to get away with that. So the story makes it a robot. Mm-hmm. And the, the evil doctor, Dr. Wackenstein, is... Wait, stop. Yeah. What? Yeah. Played by the guy who is Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. Amazing. Okay. But alive this whole movie. Uh, <laughs> you sure? Most, most of the movie. So... They, uh, he wants to put a human brain inside of it to make that person immortal. Look, you have a robot T-Rex. You want to make an, you want to make an immortal being with it. Yeah, why you not? want a, an unholy fusion of human consciousness and spirit of and an unkillable, unstoppable, monstrously powerful robot. That's just science. That's yeah. just like the goal of science. Like how some, how alchemists wanted to turn lead into gold. Yep. Modern science wants to put a human brain in a robot body. Yep. You just do. And you know, and and you want to make it as strong I am so as sorry, possible, listener and Brad. That in this year, it is now twenty twenty two, and we are actually a year past C Lab. So I am so sorry that I referenced the first episode of C Lab twenty twenty one today. The first day of twenty twenty two. I'm so sorry. Very many apologies. You know what? Officially, as a podcast, we here at Monster Friends with Benefits would like to extend our deepest apologies <laughs> to you. Our deep, deep, deep under the surface of the ocean apologies. I mean, if you're looking for this apology, it's underneath the sea. That is where you'll find me and my apology. <laughs> so there's a few demonstrations of this robot where you also get to see the, the, the goofy conceit when the robot's hands have to manipulate something. It's just somebody's arm in a in sleeve. A, in a sock. In like an arm a sock. sock. Yeah, it's basically. It's great. And also, just as a personal pet peeve, theropod dinosaurs like this, and I'm not an archaeologist, I'm not a paleontologist, I'm not any of this shit, could not pronate their wrists, okay? Their elbows, uh, the, the, the front bones on their arms, they were fused like a bird. So they could, their little hands faced each other. They could clap, clasp, grab stuff, but they could not just stand there with their little elbows and their hands facing down. They just couldn't do it. It's portrayed the way in the film. It just bugs me. In my kids' jujitsu class that I teach, I have a call and response with the kids. If I yell, T-Rex, the kids will all in unison yell. Actually, I'm going to try to edit all these together. So let's see. You'll know if it works, listener. T-Rex couldn't pronate his wrist. 
I have at least one very deeply voiced child. It's fine. That's amazing. But I taught them that because they couldn't fucking pronate the wrists. Bugs me. This one can. It's a robot. I mean, fine. Whatever. What? Whatever. Now, does this have to do with jujitsu or you just wanted to doesn't have to do along. with jujitsu. It's just a personal pet peeve. You just wanted to tell people. You just yeah. wanted to tell your children. Yep. That. yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'm teaching them important life facts. T-Rexes okay. couldn't pronate their wrists. Exactly. It's very important to yeah. remember. So Michael, Mike sneaks out to go see Tammy for a late night smooch sesh. And he, he digs a really old condom out of his drawer. It's cute. And then Billy and his gang find out he's there, go in, beat him up, literally throw him into a wild animal park where he is mauled and Jesus. put into a coma. God. But it's a story. God. This story was written in a week, okay? So, and his drunk uncle watches over him. His, like, his caretaker who's a, 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 uh, drunk, a drunk uncle. There is a difference between a drunk uncle and a drunkle. Okay, he is an uncleholic. All right. Okay, great. Anyway, so Doctor Wackenstein <laughs> and his psychic and one of his primary sidekicks, Helga, they oh my God. have him declared dead. They yank his brain out and plug it into the T Rex. Michael wakes up and is extremely upset. Goes and kills all these motherfuckers. Of course, I mean. What else? Are you, well, what, else the, what did they expect? The to tone happen? of the movie changes so drastically because up till now, there's been no real gore. He go, he like like intestines are pulled out. People, oh my god! People are smashed. Extremely gory deaths. He bites people's heads off. Like this kid who was just a high schooler. Well, the last thing he remembers is being brutally murdered by a lion. I guess. Yeah, but no, the murder is on the people. The lion was just the weapon. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so he. He, he he murders a bunch of people at a party. He, hook, he f- hooks back up with Tammy and um, Byron, and they go to try to find his body to put his brain back in. But even though this movie only takes place for the course of like two or three days, um, or four maybe, his body is is badly decayed. Not going to get a new one. Oh can't, can't get back in there. And they try to find a new body for him where they go through a morgue and they check the dicks at some point. And it's it's funny. It's 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 goofy. <laughs> Funny. And Dr. Walkenstein is still trying to get get all these guys. And then, of course, Michael, you know, kills the doctor, kills the subordinates. I think Helga runs away. Good for her. She could do better. The police just destroy the, the, the robot body. Just his the T-Rex body is just torn to shreds, all fucked up, all dead. And you're like, oh, no, uh, Michael is dead. What is Tammy going to do now? And the final scene of the movie, you see they're still looking for a new body for him because, of course, you can just plug those in. It's fine. Yeah, that's how You don't need works. the expensive, fancy doctors who were able to do it in the first place. And any, any old person could do it. So he's just a brain in a jar, and the movie ends with her giving him a lap dance. And then, like, sparks fly out of the machine. Okay. I- he can speak and see, and he is given a lap dance by Tammy. Okay. So that's a summary of the movie. I wanted to rush through it because... First of all, <laughs> there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. Sophia didn't see this. Our previous thing went long, and I want to make sure this isn't like an 18-hour podcast. But I wanted to leave us time to discuss the the idea of person you like, person you love, unwillingly made into a cyborg. Okay? Well, I want to call it forced femmebot, but that doesn't really match in this instance. So forced cyborg, fine. Cyborgification. Cyborg, cy- cyborgification, in this case, into a T-Rex, I suppose. Yeah. It's a transmogrification, transmutation mm-hmm. into a totally different, unrelated form. They were able to establish communication. Tammy was able to find out that this was Michael. 
because earlier in the film, he tried to give her a flower. She said, you can't give me this flower. My ex-boyfriend will see this. It'll be a whole big problem. And he adorably just goes, okay, takes the rose back and starts eating the petals. (laughs) And then as the T-Rex later to show her this is him, grabs a bunch of flowers as the T-Rex and then chomps on the flowers. That is very cute. It is so cute. It is like legitimately adorable. And, uh, you know, once, once it's established what's happening, she is down. She's like, we need to help you. Right. But I mean, this is someone she cares about. Yeah. Something bad has happened. No, it, so. it does go the route where I think you and I have discussed where it's like, well, we got to get you back. We got to get back to baseline. This new thing is unacceptable. Right. Now, arguably, it's partially unacceptable because he's murdered so many people at this point as a giant T-Rex. And, you know, he's being chased after as a giant T-Rex. Well, it's hard to a, live your life as a giant a robo giant T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah, is uh, is an unwieldy body to have. I feel like in in a modern human society, yes. difficult. Not a lot of uh, social accommodations for that. Architectural accommodations, exactly. Like you think, uh, getting universities to put in a ramp for a single wheelchair user is difficult. Uh, well, this T-Rex just can't get through the door at all. People who are deaf and hard of hearing who want captions at movies, they won't even do runs of captions with or runs of movies with captions typically. You have to get a device which is very difficult to use often or not not available in order to see captions on the film just to see a movie. So as a giant robotic T-Rex, there's other there's accommodations. Other, yeah, that just will not be met. If we society. look at it through the social model of disability, being a giant robotic T-Rex is a disability. You know, yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I mean, I, not I, we're not saying I, that use use the nineteen ninety four film <laughs> Tammy and the T Rex as a metaphor. No, 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 no. But and I'm and I'm the thing is, I I genuinely do believe that like things are only a disability because society does not accommodate for it, right? Right. If doors could only let through people with brown hair then having any other hair would be, you know, be, be a disability. Not in the same way that some other things are, but it's how much it impacts your life. And in this case, being a T-Rex would impact your life in a way, the same way that not being able to get over a lip of a doorway might, or not having mm-hmm. a ramp, having only stairs, all that kind of stuff, access, it would be that a problem. And he could f- maybe work his life around that, a lifestyle that would accommodate that. But he's a fucking high school student with a with an uncleholic and his girlfriend and her gay best friend are trying to help him. Not a lot of resources there. Yeah. Also, they are being pursued. Right. I mean, it's also super easy to pursue a, dino, a dinosaur of that size, yeah. I feel like. It's but a giant T-Rex. The love of the person, the love of the consciousness that is contained within that robot is still there. And she's clearly attracted to that over the body because they're willing to look for a totally new one afterward. And Byron, who didn't even know Michael that well, but befriended him, wants to support his friend Tammy mm-hmm. in getting her love back. So he sounds like a pretty good friend. He does sound like a good friend. And he is not judgmental about the fact that this guy is a monster, has been put into a monstrous situation, done monstrous things. He wants to be supportive. And because he recognizes that also a wrong has been done to Michael. Uh, this has, is against, I, uh, against his will. Many, many, like, there were like half dozen things before he woke oh, up. Oh, yeah. Not only was he people. beaten up and thrown into like a lion cage, but also he was alive after that and his bodily autonomy was taken away from him. His right to make a medical decision for himself was taken away from him. He was put into a prosthetic body against his will. I mean, if they can uh, get uh, a human brain into a T-Rex body that is fallen into a coma or because they 
got the shit beat out of him yeah. by people and then a lion then like you could be hook that up to some kind of other device that so they could make uh medical decisions for themselves while they're in a coma at the end of the movie he's able to speak and see exactly and that that would be fantastic technology to have mm-hmm. to be able to communicate oh, with well, someone who outside is, the realm of that this this could revolutionize the entire world absolutely. And just using it for just sparky it to, lap dances yeah which but, i mean i would too but not exclusively I mean, yeah. Well, it's kind of like uh, in Futurama when they put the heads in it the jars. It is exactly it's that. exactly like that. Uh, but with brain. So it's more like the, the DC character, uh, the brain. Monsieur Mala and the brain. It's a gorilla who's in love with a brain in a jar. And sure. And he's a French-speaking gorilla who is in love with a brain in a jar. <sighs> well... As the old internet saying goes, movies are weird. <laughs> but point point is here, the, the monstrousness of Michael is due to what has been done to him. It is not a monstrousness inherent to him. And the love that she feels for him is, is not diminished by his being in a T-Rex body. It, I mean, she's looking for a way to give him a better life, but she doesn't seem to feel any less love for him because of this she's not loving him in anticipation of him having a human body again she is loving the being whatever that being happens to inhabit yeah i also feel it so i watched the first like 10 minutes of this movie and the t-rex is in the first 10 minutes of the movie yes and it's shown to be a little sentient on its own to have some opinions of its own even before there's a human brain in this body uh a strong man goes to hand it uh a bar to lift and it rejects that by <laughs> grabbing it with the human hand in a sock and throws it away and would rather have the uh a, a log to to yeah. chomp on or I mean, something it, he is being controlled by the person who essentially created it at that point but that guy is just like flipping switches and poking buttons right so there's an algorithm that is that is running it and not just directly Correct. puppeting it's interpreting like lift weight and it's saying oh lift weight <laughs> yeah and so it has a personality already of a little bit and it's kind of aggressive instinctively sarcastically aggressive yeah so not only was uh michael you know put into this body he was put into a body that itself is just wants to be very violent yes and attack people so he wakes up after being attacked by a gang and a lion and he is in a new situation. He doesn't feel his body. He's probably panicking. And the body surrounding him is violent. Yep. And he it's feels like he's violent. got nothing left. Yeah. So he just loses it. I feel like at that point, there's some gray area in like... Culpability. Yeah. That like you gave him all of these weapons. You made and, him a weapon. And terrified him. Yeah. And what the fuck did you think was going to happen when you woke up this terrified teenage boy inside a weapon and gave him full control of it yeah. I, it would be very fast that he would be furious <laughs> god damn it he's played by a young paul walker i'm sorry <laughs> that was amazing that was really well done yeah. thank you <laughs> so just just to, to wrap up this is kind of a monster fucking story in as much as tammy's love loses his human form and the love remains mm-hmm. and, and there are other, there's a lot of other stories like this yeah this one is just in the the wrapper of this is a very goofy fun to watch film it's it's made in 1994 folks it's not 
flawless and by the standards of today there's a lot in it that's tasteless but i feel like you could make a very serious like uh, you could take this same idea of brutally assaulted teenage boy you know torn to shreds by a a wild animal attack put into a uh, vicious robot body and make this movie but make it like a very tense like psychodrama it's also very similar to robocop it is in the way that you're describing it right now well i feel like you could make a very tense psychodrama about like more discussion than it is yeah uh, crazy action like del toro would do great with it it'd be fun but like that kind of thing i feel like but i mean they obviously went goofy uh which is fine it is (laughs) it's fucking t-rex it's a t-rex robot that's great when did jurassic park come out the year before the year before was this absolutely beautiful almost intimately real t-rex robot on screen supplemented with with some really excellent cgi and like groundbreaking technology that they used so like audiences i feel like had this in mind when they're thinking like oh a t-rex on screen yeah so like the jurassic park that like they absolutely were doing that to try to get yeah and then it's just this fucking goofy ass so (laughs) i think it's a great i wish i could have been like an adult at that time to watch one and then the other my my appeal to you listeners is what other stories where somebody loses their body and is put into a dangerous new one and the love remains like what other stories does that happen in? and is there a name for this kind of thing because i was trying to think about it and we were really struggling you know, we kind of you look through TV tropes and you look through those places and I couldn't really find a name for this kind of story for this kind of, you know, the, the I guess it could fit into some kind of story structure. You know, there's like 37 of them or whatever. I would be interested to know any insight anybody has on that or any further reading that anybody has on this kind of story. That would be really interesting. So please, listener feedback. We don't have a section in the podcast for it yet. We will make one if you give us feedback. So let us know what you think. That's it for the topic on this. Mm-hmm. And I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it. It is now time for host recommendations. All right. So, Sophia. Now that we've talked extensively about the 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 ethics and other terrifying implications of putting a brain in a T-Rex body. If you're just interested, dear listener, in monster fucking, including dinosaurs, there is just the entire catalog of Chuck Tingle, uh, his entire library is just Hugo just, Hugo Award nominee winner I forget winner definitely twice nominee minimum yeah fantastic there's a ton of them you know pounded in the butt by a velociraptor great fantastic straight to the point I believe he even wrote a Harry Potter parody yes he did with dinosaurs in yes, it yes he did and I haven't read his work the stuff I've read of his work the snippets he takes it seriously he plays it straightforward which is amazing it's pretty incredible yeah I brad know that i meant i i have a recommendation that i had previously left unexplained and i need to explain it i last time recommended jojo's bizarre adventure part six stone ocean i neglected to mention that there is in that show and it's it's mild spoilers for part six happens within the relatively beginning of the story a sentient mass of algae hi brad here I do know the difference between algae and plankton, even if at the time of this recording, it seems as though I didn't. I promise. I promise I know. Okay, thanks. Back to the podcast. 
that is a stand, meaning like the, the, the spirit ghost, magic ghost thing that gives people superpowers, that is a sentient stand composed of tons and tons of tiny pieces of plankton who inhabit a woman prisoner's body. And they go from describing this character, whose name is Foo Fighters, because it's JoJo, or FF, with male pronouns or it pronouns, in the at least in the English translations, to she pronouns once the character is established. In the introductory episode in the anime, this character is like, no, don't call me that. My name is Foo Fighters. You will call me my name. I am a sentient being and I demand... Uh, I demand to be treated like a real being. I'm smarter than you. I'm more capable than you. Don't think that because you're human, you're this, you're that. And this character has to learn how to act like a person, how to be kind of like a person, how to grow as a sentient being. And I am just absolutely in love with this transgender plankton icon. Foo Fighters, my favorite in part six. That's it. It's always troubling when uh, the representation of a lot of queer identities, various gender fuckery, things like that are non-human entities because, you know, it kind of supports this idea that they're that trans folk are not 100 however correct. those characters are also fucking cool so it's <laughs> difficult to you know it is really draw a line i one of my favorite uh, representations this thing has been very inspirational to me personally is a character in uh dasipo sonyo which is like dasipo naughty girls or whatever which is this cheeky sex comedy from uh, south korea that i don't remember where or when it came out it was in the early 2000s and there's a a trans character in it and the story does not treat her well the other characters do not treat her well but she is great that's and so Mm -hmm. it's it's you gotta pick and choose and now now and there are obviously you do not have to pick and choose right you don't have to like the stuff at all but for some of us it is a source of strength and power and and good feels and i really like seeing foo fighters grow and and even if the character wasn't intended to be that way i love her and so if you want to see that character you want to see some insight into me my favorite character in that whole entire arc is foo fighters so check it out did you have any other recommendations sophia no cool well we will see you soon. Uh, we have a more regular posting schedule. Please keep an eye on our Twitter and our Instagram, which are both MonsterFWB. We will be posting previews, audio clips, video clips, which are really just audio clips. We are going to be, you know, but with cool video on them. We have a TikTok, which is Monster underscore FWB. Sophia is using audio from our podcast in her very own TikToks as, what's your... Cryptfly. Cryptfly on there. And by the way, if you interact with Sophia on TikTok, do not call her Sophia or Sophie. <laughs> you don't need to. Just don't do that. No Podcast one does. stuff, fine. Cryptfly. Cryptfly. But if you're going to to address stuff to us for the podcast, you can use our names. Yeah. That's fine. And if you have a question, send it to our email, monsterfwb at gmail.com. We answered one today, gave some good discussion. And if you want to ask us a question in the subject line, say question, colon, and then in the body, put whatever your question is. If you have feedback, just say feedback, colon, and but then give us whatever that it. is. Don't be mean to me. I'm very emotionally fragile. And if you, and again, you can also give us feedback on Twitter. That's fine. Don't DM us unless you're the people on our DM list, which we should just make a section on our Beacons page. Can we do that? Yeah. People who are allowed to DM us. Yeah. We'll read off of it later when we when we have that more solidified. And in the me, oh. I give you permission now. If you have asking a question or giving us feedback, you can give a one or two word summary after the question or after the uh, after the colon in or or 
uh, feedback in the subject line. So it could be question, colon, shapeshifter for the one that we had today. Feedback, colon, and then the episode you have feedback on. Any of that, that's fine. Let us know what you think. Again, you got to be nice to me. Be nice to Sophia. Let us know what you think. Also be nice to Brad. Give, give us some constructive feedback because we want to make this show something that we enjoy Both making. Constructive and please make please be nice. That we enjoy making and you enjoy listening to. So I have been Brad. I have been Sophie. This has been Monster Friends. With benefits. Goodbye from hell. Thank you for watching.